Welcome to the CoLab, the only podcast for business owners who are committed to grow through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Get ready to put your heads together to boost your business to the next level with your hosts, the ultimate team players, Megan Marsh and Andre Munar. So in today's episode, we're going to be really diving deep into numbers, particularly. And although this gentleman that we're going to introduce is um, specializes in helping mortgage it, people in the mortgage industry, you know, we talk a lot about niching in the entrepreneur world. Um, he does have a special niche in mortgage brokers, but he talks about the numbers and knowing the numbers. And I know I, for myself, before I met Megan, numbers was really not my thing per se. And nor did I really want to look at numbers because numbers, I didn't understand them. I didn't know what they meant. Um, and as I've learned, you know, they kind of tell a story. Um, and they can also, um, trying to think of the word, they can, it, it can be freeing. And then on the other end of the spectrum is they can really tell, you know, where you need work at. And as an entrepreneur, you don't want to be told, hey, you've got a weakness here or you've got a weakness there. But um, you know, so this is kind of what, what today's episode is going to be about is knowing your numbers. But I think just so everyone knows, if you're not a numbers person, it has taken us five years together here. We're in our, we're going into our fifth year of business partnership. This is the first year we've ever monthly gone over our P and L like hired the right help that has our financials ready and started making better decisions instead of just like hiring a full-time person. This is where the virtual assistants have come in. This is where, you know, all these things, we just keep getting better each year. So no, it takes time and it takes being around other people in the collab who have been there, done that, where they can start making suggestions and you actually start implementing them. You get through the fear of it and you try it, right? And um, so you just got to take that first step, guys. Take that first step to find the help you need to really understand your numbers so you can start making the living that you deserve. The average uh, entrepreneur business owner I read somewhere makes less than $75,000. Like if that's really the case, like we don't take the risk we do. We need to have some of the reward. We need to be able to take a break to get paid well for what we're doing. And it, it takes someone's expertise to get that. I really, truly believe that. Agree, especially an expertise on knowing your numbers, because like you said, Megan, we don't do this just because we want to do it for fun. You do deserve a life that you want, the life that you want to build. And it's certainly, you know, no, if we would have only known then what we knew now, you know, you can have that life so much faster, especially if you know your numbers. That's right. So who are we bringing on today, Andre? Today, we are going to bring on somebody who we were introduced to by one of our mentors. His name is Tom Tom is a longtime entrepreneur in the real estate and mortgage industries and is the author of The Empathy Effect, Build Your Business and Your Wealth by Putting Yourself in Other People's Shoes. Over the past 30 years, he has owned three Century 21 franchises and started and grew Majestic Mortgage to over $460 million mortgage company. After selling the mortgage company in May of 2006, he launched a consulting and training organization. Majestic Consulting, which specializes in profitability and consulting. Tom teaches how to know your numbers using his business blood pressure system. Tom's current project is how to build a world-class mortgage branch, teaching branch managers his system for reading the P&L and how to manage a profitable branch. Bring him in. 
Hi, Tom. How you doing, Tom? Hi, guys. How's it going? Doing well. So Tom is a, is a numbers guy, and as we all know, I'm not really a numbers guy. But I don't know if Tom really was always a numbers guy, right? Yeah, you and I are more alike, Andre, than you think we are as far <laughs> as, the, you know, I've got, a, I've got a high school education, and I struggled with the numbers, which I'll talk about here as we get going, but it's just I really struggled with it, and that's why I had to simplify it for me, right? That's why you and I get, get it so well, because Megan's so smart. You know, she gets going mm-hmm. on numbers and it's like, I just need to keep it, keep it simple. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's, and, that's why it's. And for anybody listening to did. today's episode, you know, we brought Tom in and he's going to, we're going to talk specifically our core main business before the collab was a mortgage company, is a mortgage company. And so we connected with Tom and you know, we're going to share and he's going to share how he specifically helps, you know, translate things for all industries. So, you know, hang in there with this because the point of the podcast and what we're going to share in the episode is how this could help them in their business, this translation and helping understand the numbers better if you're not a numbers person, right? So Tom, can you share with us a little bit about how you got into being a numbers guy when you weren't? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I, I had three. I, I started, you know, I was in the Air Force and I got out because I knew it wasn't for me and basically was always pointed in the sales direction and uh, started selling real estate. Prime was at 21%. So I'm going to date myself there, but you talk wow. about tough times. I mean, it's just yeah. like crazy, crazy times at Prime with 21%. And then I wound up buying a franchise from the guy who I worked for. Mm-hmm. It was a Century 21 franchise, opened another. So I wound up with three Century 21 franchises. And then I was turning business over to a mortgage guy, which you guys can well well know how that works. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, wasn't getting the job done. So a friend of mine was running a wholesale at Household Bank in Chicago, to where I was originally from, and basically said, Tom, you could fog a mirror and have $25,000 and get a mortgage license back then. And like I said, no, probably 50 times and finally threw up my hands and said, all right, I'm in. And uh, probably to this day, I'm the only guy ever to open a mortgage company up that never took a loan app before. So you never have taken a loan a, app. Yeah, I couldn't spell 1003, right? Back, <laughs> which, which, is the language, <laughs> which is the language of mortgage people. So it was just one of those things that, but I, I struggled for those first seven, you know, my company was in business for 19 years. The first seven years, I mean, I really, really struggled. And ultimately, the light bulb went on for me because it was one of those, and I'm sure every entrepreneur that's on here, you get to a turning point saying, I'm not sure I can make this work, right? And seven years is a long time. And, you know, I averaged in the first seven years, you know, I was a little older in time, back in time, but, you know, I averaged $40,000 per year for seven years. So, I mean, I was barely being able to rub two nickels together. And ultimately, I'm sure there's people on here that are thinking the same thing, thinking, how do you pay your bills and credit cards and, you know, all the things that every, you know, the the blood, sweat and tears that we all went through. And uh, probably the turning point for me was uh, one book, uh, which is called The Discipline of Market Leaders. Hmm. And basically they said, 
uh, I was trying to be, be, I was trying to be all things to all people. And I think that's where we hit it off when you, when you and I first talked is the fact that, you know, trying to be all things to all people really gets you, 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 there's no space for you. Right. And basically Tracy and Wurzma, the two authors basically said that you got to pick a spot. You want to be price, be price. You want to be value, be value, but you can't be in the middle because that's where you got crushed. And I found myself in that same scenario of getting crushed there. And then I was very fortunate. I had enough revenue and, and enough employees and I was under 40 at the time. And I, uh, I joined an organization. I was accepted in an organization called YPO. So those guys were my mentors throughout. You've heard the name Jimmy John, which is the sandwich king, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, got Little Lady Foods where they co-packed for Connie's Pizza. And I really learned the numbers portion or the importance of those numbers, of knowing your numbers from non-mortgage people, right? I mean, they were, Jimmy John could tell, uh, you know, whether people were stealing from him as far as, and he could tell waste, you know, it was just amazing with what he knew. And I, he was, I plugged in, right. I just said, and I barely qualified for YPO and, uh, Jimmy John and I were, you know, became pretty tight, still a good friend of mine. He's obviously sold, uh, all of his, you know, stock at this point to Rourke group and, you know, got a hundred foot yacht and multiple planes and his kids have never been through a metal detector. So oh he was a good guy for me to follow, but I was yeah. a mosquito on an elephant in those situations, but they were sticklers of measuring. We met every month and, you know, I'd go in kind of like an idiot and just walking in and saying, you know, I really didn't know the numbers. Well, you know, I knew the profit number, which I think we all do, but I didn't know how it got there. So you know, that's when I really had to dive in. And I really, I, I think that the, the real breakaway for me was, you know, the accounting people had to adapt to me, not the other way around. I think that so often we get intimidated by the professionals of the world, right? They, oh my gosh, they've got CPA next to their name and, you know, they've been, they've been at Deloitte or places like that. And I, you know, you get intimidated by that. But when I, when I really learned to get, have them adapt to me, because I was paying their paycheck, uh, things changed, and and uh, then we then we talk, taught it in Andre and my language, right? It was simplicity, right? As far as you know, gap accounting and you know all the things that go along with it. So sometimes today, when I meet with a larger mortgage company or a larger company, I kind of make them a little bit crazy because I don't think the same way as they do, and they say, you know, you're flying in the face of gap accounting, Tom, and it's like I'm just telling you that the 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 people on the street are the ones that really need to know uh, the format, right? Just being able to see it. So I think that's just been, you know, it's been a blessing. I probably have more than I probably should have. So that's why when you and I talked, uh, your group and I talked, I think it was important that we realized that I think today my role in life becomes helping the entrepreneur, right? As far as, now obviously I, I make a living at, at doing that, but I've got more than I probably should have. But you know, I get off today on, you know, your success, right? I mean, that, that excites me as we talked about before is like seeing your progress would be awesome to be able to, I can't, I can't, I don't do it today. I don't want to take that risk on today. I don't want to take on the energy level that it, that it takes to be able to run a mortgage company. So, you know, that's where I see it. Yeah. And I think as a numbers person who has to be careful about how intense I get with it, but you just, you had an example about Jimmy John's, right? But I think the point of that is, and it's one of the questions that I had wanted to ask you, 
like how critical are the numbers, right? How critical are they? Because if people are out there listening and they want to be successful, I think, and yes. I'd like to know your opinion, how critical is knowing the numbers to leading to success? Two things that I think are paramount. You know, number one, the numbers, because I think it, if you look at, I'm a, I'm a sports nut, and when you're looking at baseball, uh, what is your batting average, right? And you don't know whether you're improving, you're sliding, what is it? So, you know, it'd be no different than playing golf without par, right? If you go out and play mm-hmm. golf and you said, I got a five on that hole, and it's like, well, how did I do? Well, if there's no par on the sheet, right. you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, five is good. Well, it's a par three golf course. You know, you kind of suck at five if you'd be two over par, so you wouldn't be doing, you know, too well. So I think it's important to have a benchmark to be able to see where you're at today. And then moving forward, are you progressing or regressing? And as we've talked, sometimes the market changes. So I use basis points as numbers for the mortgage industry. And you see that number drop a little bit. It will it'll always drop in a, in a refinance market because you're dealing with more conventional. And I won't get into all the detail of where that goes. But I think it's real important that you really, that's number one. I probably think the second, the co-importance is the business model. As I talked about before in the discipline of market leaders, you got to choose a path, right? Because the balancing act in the mortgage world becomes providing a fair price on the, on the street to the consumer, uh, providing enough compensation for a loan officer for them to be your sales team, uh, having enough money to pay your operations people and to retain them instead of somebody coming by and poaching them, and then having enough money to be able to make this world worth your while because if you're investing everything you own into a business, uh, you've got to be able to make sure there's profit at the end. I think the other part for me was I had to quit apologizing for profit. I think that there was a guilt part of me that said, uh, if I'm making, you know, oh my gosh, if I, if I make profit uh, of X, you know, that, that means I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But I think uh, profit is what makes the world run. It's the oxygen to run the company because otherwise you're going to be in a situation that it's not going to be, well, it's not going to be worth it anymore. You're going to look up and you're going to say, well, man, the, the top salesperson is making more than me. Maybe I should just go to work for somebody else and I have to deal with all the BS that goes along with entrepreneurship, right? Right. I think that happens a lot in at least the mortgage industry. And I'm assuming insurance title, um, you know, real estate. What happens is you're, you become this top producer. You have this big book of business. You're making great money. So you go, you start this company and all of a sudden you have a couple people who join you and they're getting paid that split that you used to have in you're not getting the split you used to have. Like, and that's right. really the core of the issue and how I think, right, you got into this. No doubt. And it wears on you, right? It's, it's uh, I talk about it in, in my book. You don't really see it. Use the equation of, it's like a bar of soap, right? That a little comes off every time and a little comes off every time until all of a sudden you can't find the soap in the, in the suds of the, uh, of the <laughs> sink, right? So it's like, holy cow, what happened there? So it's an erosion or it's death by paper cuts, right? I, I think that that's the struggle that everybody has. And I think the other part of this is that you've got to be honest. I, I think that that's the big part. Ego plays a real important part or lack of an ego plays an important part because you've got to be there. When I had to be, make presentations in front of those guys that were you know, rock stars, it's like I felt embarrassed that I had to tell them these are my numbers. But in order to get there, I think that's the thing that really pulls it, pulls it across. I think that I was trying to be a, a, a world-class mortgage company and trying to provide the cheapest price to the consumer. And a lot of mm-hmm. people will argue that point with me all day long. I call it the fork in the road. But I think today, and, and, and that's the misnomer that I think is happening, especially during COVID, 
uh, I think people are much more value conscious today, even than they were two years ago, five years ago, because you, you've got to be able to, something as simple as returning a phone call. Uh, and and when, when you guys know how busy it is in the mortgage industry, right? I mean, so it's like if you just return a phone call in that, in that world, you might get business. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's just like somebody just pushes you off, pushes you off, pushes you yeah. off. So I think that choosing a business model, which way do you, you can you can be price, you can be value. I mean, Walmart does a great job with price, uh, you know, and and Nordstrom does a great job with, you know, with s- selling value. Right, they're mm-hmm. two different business models, but you've got to make sure you attract to the to that to that particular genre. Right, you can't say that. Right. Uh, don't. Don't be, if you're choosing the value road, don't be surprised if you lose a deal to price and mm. don't be surprised if you lose a deal to value if you're on the price road. So yeah, you know, those are the two things I think are real critical. As, um, as a small business owner, you want to always provide value and price and you're, you're absolutely correct. You can't really be both. And it wasn't really until I met Megan that I started looking at my numbers, right? It was always just you know, how much was I bringing in the door and how much was going out the door and the rest was profit. And so, you know, we've got a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, who are just starting or maybe two or three years into their business. How often, Tom, would you say it's important to look at your numbers? Because I'll be honest with you. I mean, I opened my personal business in 2014 and I mean, sure, I had a profit and loss. I didn't know how to read it. I just was like, okay. This was Hi, my name is Andre, and I don't know how to read a profit and loss. <laughs> this is like Profit and Loss Anonymous, right? No. <laughs> like, yeah. Hi, Andre. That's a great name. <laughs> so how often would you recommend a, an entrepreneur or business owner looks at their numbers? I, I would tell you monthly. Uh, sometimes you'll see uh, in the Jimmy John's world of franchising, I think theirs is uh, every four weeks. So that gives them 13 instead of 12, right? So they do it every wow. four weeks. So I just think that whatever that sales cycle is, uh, that you're looking at, I would say the easiest cutting point becomes monthly, just being able to really understand what is, you know, the month, the month end, you should close the month because there's a tendency to run one into the other to the other. So I think you've got to mentally and physically close the month this the month is over don't let it run into two extra days or three extra days to be able to do that but i think you're entirely right because you expose the boogeyman right it's a matter of being able to say i don't want to look it's like uh i you know what is this and and i don't want to see it uh but it's truth i mean that the numbers are the truth and it's okay if you're if you're not doing a you know doing a good job today but it's a matter of can we improve And, and i think that's what that's the best point I can make as far as those numbers are concerned because it's monthly, but it's a, uh, I think you can, uh, what we, what, what I've done for us, for guys like us, Andre, is that I kind of create a, uh, you know, a simplistic way to look at it. You know, I, as you know, in the mortgage, if you're in the mortgage space, I mean, I've got it down to, you know, three critical numbers and I call it business blood pressure, but it's just a matter of being able to see this is where we're at. And, and now you can determine whether or not you should change. And I think that, and maybe you're knocking it out of the park. Some, you know, some are, some aren't. But I think it's just a matter of being able to say, what's the benchmark? Yeah, and what are those three? Can you explain the three critical number, numbers that you yeah, do? So, and yes, it's specific, Yeah, I would tell but... you, yeah. Well, it, let's, let's just try to make it for everybody, right? So there's revenue, obviously. And I would tell you the, the caveat that I would always talk about. Uh, when I sold Majestic Mortgage in May of 06, um, I, was, uh, I was going down the road of... Uh, 
uh, of the seminar world. And I was going across the country creating a program called How to Build a World-Class Mortgage Company. So I'd have 20, 30 attendees, and it was it was a pretty penny for them to go in. And it was, it was a lot of travel. It was uh, kind of a pain. We had to get the room there. It, you know, today, it would just we would it would be COVID would just knock us out of the park as far as where that goes. But I, I think it's uh, revenue, obviously. And, and, and every entrepreneur, and I think that most, I, I, would, I would really look at this and say, most of your entrepreneurs come from the sales side of the business. Mm-hmm. They're top salespeople and they get into the mortgage space at that point. So I think they get the numbers, whether that's selling widgets on the revenue side, whether that's selling widgets, selling mortgages, uh, real estate agents, selling transactions, I think they nail the revenue side. I think where they struggle is they struggle. I, I say revenue comes in one loan at a time in the mortgage world. Revenue comes in one closing at a time in the real mm-hmm. estate world. Uh, the, the problem is expenses come in buckets, 55-gallon drums, mm-hmm. Uh lump sums. Uh, I've got to sign 34 checks today. And the difficulty is it comes at us in batches, right? So what I had to do was I had to, I call it one transaction thinking. I've got to take that bucket, that 55-gallon drum, and make it one transaction. So I think that's crucial for us Mm -hmm. to be able to understand it's one transaction thinking, right? So take the, the revenue. You already know the revenue. The expense side is what people struggle with. And then the difference of those two is profit or loss, right? Now, there's right. a cost of goods sold component, which in the mortgage world, I say, there's a cost to get a loan in, which is the sales team. Yep. There's a cost to get a loan out, which is the ops team. Mm-hmm. And then there's the revenue that comes in from the consumer. So I think that's the struggle that most people have is that you look at that number side of, as far as the expense side. I, I, did a, I recently did a study of probably almost 800 months of data at this point. Mm-hmm. Of those 800 months, I can tell you that most of the time when a company doesn't make money, it's not because of the revenue or it's not because of the sales expense. It's because of the ops expense. They've got an organization that's built for $50 million a month, and they're only doing 25 Or they've got an organization that I call it horizon chasing, where they're looking down the road saying, I've got to have all these people just in case we get business. Well, the struggle with that is that, you know, that comes out of your bottom line and it really affects, you know, comes out of your middle line and it really affects your bottom line. So I think it's just one of those things that you really got to be able to look at and understand. Going back to the, just one other point on the business model. A lot of people look at, I'm, I'm huge into a unique selling proposition right? What differentiates you from the rest of the world, right? If you're in the mortgage space, like you guys are, why should somebody do business with your company versus everybody else, including the internet? And I think you've got to have a unique selling proposition when you choose to go down that value road. And then you've got to pound that home to be able to sell that in a bunch of ways. The struggle on the, on the uh, when somebody asked me, they said, well, Tom, if I choose the price road, what's, what should my unique selling proposition? I said, you don't need to have one. Price is your unique selling proposition, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so don't don't spend any time, don't spend any energy, don't spend any money. Just go get deals, right? Yeah. And 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 that that is your unique selling proposition. So that works for every business that I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and so just in equating this here, because one of the things I've also noticed, like you said, it's usually like really good salespeople who are selling, right? And 
we use the example of real estate. So I know in the real estate world, they use GCI, right? Gross, gross commission mm-hmm. income. And, right. and, but you have a lot of people who are these great salespeople. And I think it happens one of two ways. Like you said, you get into owning and yes, the revenue numbers start growing because you have other, you know, let's say we have a couple people on your Correct. team and then all of a sudden you're not making the money like we shared. And the other issue I've also seen though, is people afraid, right? Like how can they find that middle ground? Like when we joined our first coaching group, it's like higher ahead of your growth, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, our team, for example, grew earlier this year and we knew we were bringing on these salespeople. So we had to get some support. Like, how do you balance, like do that balancing act in businesses like, real estate, mortgage, you know, where it's transactional and you're projecting on what you're going to do and who you're going to need because you cannot bring a processor on and train them in two weeks. No doubt. So it's, it's anticipating. It's a great point. I've always felt as though you've got to build a little excess capacity prior to you having it. Uh, who would have ever thought the mortgage world would have gone into what it went today, especially in the real estate world as well. Right. So I think having that You've got to have some extra. You've got to have some excess capacity. But I've always thought. Um, let, let's use. Let's go back to Major League Baseball for a minute. There's a farm team in most professional sports. Uh, there's a there's a junior. There's a triple A. Yeah. There's a double A. Yeah. There's a single A. And there's a natural chain of progression. Mm-hmm. Um, I I found an article many many years ago. Uh, it's called uh, Breeding uh, Bleeding Dodger Blue, and it was for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And what they did was. Uh, they always felt it was important to add a new person uh, to their their roster, the major league roster, every year, mm-hmm. so they could kind of move in the move in the young, move out the old, type thing. And I think yeah. it's important in the in in every world, mortgage world, real estate world, whatever it is, to have some sort of a build. I I would always call it layered training, right? So there'd be a certain amount of people that would know to do X. There'd be a certain amount of people that know how to do Y. And if you could teach the person to do X and then Y and then Z, sooner or later, you know, they could become a processor for you. So I think that if you could have some sort of a of an entry level, whether that's the receptionist, uh, and then be able to teach them that business, mm-hmm. uh, you can also get them for a little bit cheaper than what a real processor would cost you eventually down the road. Uh, processors are great because uh, they can manage a pipeline. There's an art form to managing a pipeline. And it probably applies to all other businesses. Uh, but they need some bodies to chase stuff, right? To be able mm-hmm. to chase documents, right. chase a, a subordination agreement. So you can surround. Uh, what, what I always did at Majestic Mortgage was I had senior people combined with ju- very junior people instead of having middle of the road people you know, what was there. So I think it's important to build capacity. You just got to make sure, and I'm okay with it if you want to build capacity before, because your numbers will reflect it as long as you premeditate it. Instead of being in a situation where you look up and you say, holy cow, look at my people I, I, I have here. Mm. Uh, premeditate it. Just say, I'm building capacity now. I understand I'm losing money because of that. Mm. And when you, when, you, when you build capacity first, it's coming from your bottom line. So don't, Mm-hmm. You know, don't, there's, there's no other place it comes from, right? And when you add money on the upside, you're not bringing any more revenue in and you're not paying your salespeople anymore. It's coming out of the bottom line. And that's the question that's always asked, but it's okay to premeditate that. But I think in your case, 
you, you know, there was a little luck of the draw there, right? Saying, God, I thank God we had these people right mm-hmm. in the beginning of time, because otherwise you guys would be working 24 seven. We were. And that's why for, and that's been a hard thing for us when we've talked to you, like we're not individual LOs anymore. We right now we're sitting here, you know, wanting to share our knowledge with other business owners because we know so many of them that want some of their, they've been 15 years. They want some of their time back, their life back, and they want to know they have a team who can handle their business. And so you know, we sit here and we're like, okay, well, what should we really be making? Because when we were doing all the loans, you know, we were making this and now we're not doing the loans, but it's our business. And that's such a hard thing as an entrepreneur. No yeah. doubt. Well, and, you just, and the problem is you got to jump back and forth, right? So you, you go, be, you become still the top salesperson. So now you're over there doing that and, and everything else falls. And, and it's not necessarily the time, Megan and Andre, it's the energy like we've talked about before, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the got a minute club, you know, sucks the energy out of you, right? It's like, oh my God, I didn't get anything done. It's three o'clock and I haven't got anything done, right? Yep. It's like, you know, that's what would be there. So I think that's a, you know, that's a big takeaway, but it's a, it's a challenge that I, I could tell you that plug in to people that are around you. YPO is an organization. You had to have 50 people, $8 million in sales. And you had to be make the position before you. There's an EO organization, which is the entrepreneur side of that, which I think if you can, it, it, it's, I think there's a tendency of an entrepreneur to be on an island, right? Yes. You think it's like yeah. you're out there on an island and there's nobody to talk to. And God forbid, you can't talk to your salespeople because <laughs> then you're weak, right? So it's, it, you look at this and you say, having other people say, oh my God, I, I, I experienced that same thing myself two days ago, right? So being able to plug in, I think that, you know, we've had this conversation before that you've surrounded yourself with, you know, some, some people that are experiencing the same thing. The, the whole hard, the hard part for anybody is the truth serum, right? You know, sometimes people, you, you, you run around people that just BS you saying, oh, I'm having a great month. It's like, please, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, you work for, a, you know, you work for half of what everybody else is working for, right? Anybody could be a wholesaler and, and, and be, right. you know, big king of the hill. No, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing that we're, that we hear all the time and people get really burnt out. We don't want people to get burnt out. Like that's the big thing. We don't want to get burnt out. Yeah. Especially as you, as you age, as, as, as you as the whole population ages, you're looking at things because you're, you're, you've got a, you know, a nine-year-old son that you've said, geez, I've kind of shortchanged him for eight years now. Right. So now the guilt's creep in and now you want to look at that and say, I really, I need to devote some time to my family. So I think it's, it is one of those things. And I think the team is so important as long as, you know, that, that you've got them surrounded, you know, surrounded, they cost money, right? So just think about what we just talked about, right? As far as the costing money, if you're not getting the right revenue number, you can't afford to have the team. If you can't afford to have the team, what happens? You become burned out. You become burned out. Now it's just, it, it's, it's a, you know, it, it, you're just swirling, right? It just says, you know, it's just like a drain, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at this thing saying, well, wait a minute, it's not that much money. It could be, you know, and, and who really has the lowest price in anything? I mean, right. it just doesn't exist, right? It, because uh, somebody will always go lower, go lower, go lower. The problem you have is what, what are you leaving on the table for that? Well, I didn't tell you, I, I don't have any time to call you back because I got so much business and right. you know, now you. it's, you know, what's my deal doing? So I, I think it's a real struggle you know, when you get to that. But I think uh, the balance part is, is crucial. How long have you guys been in the business? 15 years each. Yeah, five, four years yeah, to get together. 
I was going to say about the same, but about that same time, it's like saying, wait a minute, you know, I either want to have a family or I don't want to be put in this situation or you got spousal issues, right? It's like saying you're never home or I've seen this, you know, no matter what dollars you're bringing home. So I think that's the entrepreneur's secret is being able to look at, you don't want to destroy a marriage over the fact of having your own business. And Tom, you hit the nail on the head. It's one of the reasons that we started the podcast. You know, we want, you know, either up and coming entrepreneurs or maybe entrepreneurs who have only been in business for a few years to know that, you know, you're going to have some bumps in the road, but also you don't have to do it all by yourself because Megan and I have, I mean, we're 15 years in the business. If we would have known some of the things that we know now, we would be so much further ahead, you know, especially with the numbers. And I know that finances, especially for me, can be intimidating. So for somebody who hasn't looked, started looking at their numbers or started, you know, even wanting to look at them. And again, for example, myself, I didn't want to look at them because it told a story or I didn't understand them. Um, where would you recommend that somebody starts? Well, I, I would tell you that QuickBooks is a, is a very inexpensive way to be able to get uh, your P&L onto a, into a format. You can, excel, you, can, uh, you can extract it out of an Excel, Excel spreadsheet as well. I think the other thing I think is important in today's day and age is electronic, you know, talking electronically, right? So making sure you have a bank account that can move those transactions from your credit card into your QuickBooks, and it'll just mm -hmm. save you so much time. So I think those electronic formats are really important. I think the other thing that becomes a misnomer, this is your chart of accounts. It's like the only, and every entrepreneur on here, if you're listening to this, just hear, hear these words. The only reason you need to have anything on a chart of accounts is if you want to measure it. You need revenue, expense, and profit or loss. Now, if you want to measure it to be able to say, how much business did I get coming in from uh, real estate agents and how much business that I get coming in from consumer direct and more of my past clients, then you need to have those columns, right? But on the expense side, it becomes very, uh, you know, very, that's where we all gloss over. It's like, Jesus, I got 97 accounts here <laughs> on the chart of accounts. And I don't, I, you know, I used to drive me crazy. I had it with something called dues and subscriptions. And it would always be something showed up as like $9 a year. I actually think we have that and line item. <laughs> yeah, get this out of here put me a miscellaneous column so i can i can shake 27 of these accounts down to one now you might break it out again but again the accounting firm works for you not the other not the other way so i would tell you and i also tell you that i think it's important for you to dig into it don't just take the numbers from the accountant uh for 19 years i wrote the checks they gave me the checks they brought it sometimes it was stacks at the end it was stacks Matter of fact, when I, when I had the How to Build a World-Class Mortgage Company, I had them parallel at the same time. I would have my accounting people bring the checks in during the seminar, if it was at my office, so that they'd see the stack of checks, and I'd sign every one of them because I wanted to see it, oh. right? I couldn't, you know, write that many checks, but you wanted to be able to see it. It's like, wait a minute, why did we pay XYZ $2,700? Because there's there's, sometimes there's a way for us to detach from that, right? It's like, said, oh, I've got accounting people to do that. Well. You know, why did somebody write that check out? You just want to make sure it's your money. At the end of the day, it's your money. And and uh, big numbers is what I would always look at. It got to the point where I would only look at certain numbers were over a certain amount. Uh, I had the pleasure. One of my, one of my guys in YPO was uh, sold a casino for two hundred fifty six million dollars. Mm. It was in, it was in Michigan City, Indiana. It's like holy cow! You talk about a wow. you talk about me being a mosquito on a <laughs> on an elephant. And he got a chance to take us to uh, Las Vegas and go to the the rooms upstairs where you could see all the the, the videos, right? 
and I would, I, ta- I would, I was just inquisitive. I was like a kid in a candy store asking this question. And I said, how do you keep track of all the money? And I still remember, I could have, re- I wish I'd have recorded it. He said, oh, Tom, we don't keep track of all the money. He says, we only keep track of the big chips. So that's yeah. why you'll see the hundred dollar chip, right? They'll track that. So they'll see that, right? And it's like, wow, I took that with me. I've got a little slide pro- uh, presentation that I do, a slide, right? And there's 20s, fives and tens or fives and you know, hundreds and they all scattered together. And I said, how much is in there? And guess, right? It's like the, the, the jelly bean thing in a jar, right? Guess how many jelly beans are in there. People come up and they say $740, $460, whatever it would be. And then I would take the next slide would just be focusing on the $100 chips and have them stand out. And they'd look at them and they'd say, oh, well, Tom, it's about $914. And they'd all, all be within $100 because they're counting the big chips, right? So I think that's, as time goes by and you progress, it's important then you start looking at the bigger numbers, right? What happened to this check? And that with QuickBooks, you can sort it any way you want to. You can go $100 above. But they, and I think one of the key things you said, you sign the checks, right? But the other thing we also yep. say, there's a couple things. Like this really strong salesperson, should they be doing QuickBooks? Is that where their time is best spent? Number one, you're right. Probably not, but it's, but. Yeah, pr- probably. But I think it's also important that you got to, that there's a tendency. If you close the month, I think it's important that you look at those numbers, right? Correct. If you don't close the month and they just say, here's your, you know, I, 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 I used to talk about faking it, right? I'd get a 16 page document, you know, monthly, right? But the problem with the, with the accounting people is 90 days to them is fast. That was right? going to be my well, next. In the mortgage step. business. Yeah. 90 days is fast. It's like, no, I, guys, I got to the point where my accounting people would give me the financials. Now, this is crazy, but give me the financials in the 20th of the month that I was in. Uh, before it ended. 10 days before the end of the month. Wow. Because revenue in the mortgage business, revenue in the mortgage business is locked in the day you lock a loan, not the day you mm, close it. Sure. Yeah, we can project. You close a loan to verify you close the loan to verify whether you got the money that you locked in at so i just said i want to get a 10-day jump on this and i made them nuts i mean as far as the accounting people and then i would give them the opportunity to to make changes the following month that said what happened here well we missed a a loan didn't get funded because uh they didn't get an occupancy permit or whatever it would be so it's kind of like unemployment right last year's last month's number was this but we're going to make an adjustment to that so that's what I did. So I, I think it's important on the fly to look at that, but I think it's got to be a format. And, I, and, and guys, I would tell you uh, that I would, I would rel- anybody who has an issue, pick up the phone and call me. As crazy as that sounds, it's like, oh my God, just call me. I, I'll give you my phone number, my contact information. I know I can help the mortgage people in the world. Well, I'm not it- sure if I can help and you the do this decoding that's, that's, thing, right? You do this decoding thing where, and I don't think we've spoken about this, is you translated our financial statements into our language. So instead of it being revenue, expenses, right, which are all accounting terms, you have it as, you, you mentioned it once, the blood pressure or basis points. Right. Well, it's, it's, here's what, here, and here's what happened. Uh, it's a long story, but I won't get into it. But bottom line, blood pressure and basis points are two BP, right? They're both, they're both the same, right? But when you go to the doctor, they'll check your arm. They'll put a mm-hmm. cuff on your arm and they'll say, what's your blood pressure? And if your blood pressure is normal, 125 over 75, they probably think you're pretty healthy. 
But if all of a sudden your blood pressure is at 155 over 110, they're going to say, there's something wrong with this body. I've got to look deeper, right? So what, what I've done with my number is being able to look at top and bottom and be able to look at this and say, is this normal or not? The problem is in the mortgage world, there's no par. Nobody will tell you what par is, right? I've developed par with those 800 months. I can tell you what par is, right? I can tell you that this is, this is normal. It's like, Tom, how are we doing? It's like, hey, you kinda, you're not doing too good or you're killing it. You know, sometimes you'll see a number. I've got a group out of uh, Tucson, Arizona, you know, that I consult with monthly and their number gets dangerously low. Mm. So I can usually tell on that number. I said, I'd say to him, Rob, you're, you know, Rob, you got to worry about burning these people out because now you need to get people, right? Get people and add people to it because otherwise you're not going to have enough you know, you're not going to, you'll burn them out and you'll lose them eventually with what's there. So I think it's important, you know, that, that, but I think you could do it in any business. It'd be fun to do it in another business. I, I was in the real estate world. So, I mean, I could, you know, that would be easy to do on that side, right? To but translate being able it. to just see it. Yeah. Translate it. It's just, it's my way of, you know, the, the age old problem has been sometimes an entrepreneur gets paid last. Sometimes a salesperson, if you're a salesperson, you get paid first. Uh, it's important. I wanted to create a level playing field. I didn't want to have anybody be able to BS me that says there's a branch doing $50 million a month. Great. There's a small mortgage broker that's doing $2 million a month. Great. My numbers are, it's a level playing field. So it doesn't, I, because I'm making it one transaction. I'm not making it 500 transactions. I'm just making it one. So I, my level playing field is one transaction. That's the way I think everybody could think. But I'd love to talk to somebody who wasn't in the industry and be able to say, hey, you know, let's talk about it. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll say, man, I don't understand your business at all. And I'd tell you that. I mean, it's, a, it's an honesty type situation, right? Mm-hmm. But I, in the mortgage world, I know I can help. And only because I experienced it, you know, I sucked for seven years. I mean, I, ma- making $40,000 average over seven years. I mean, at the last seven years, it was 20 times that amount. <laughs> So I guess I figured it out, right? But it, it, thank it God, you know, that I, knock on wood, that I, I learned it probably in seven and a half. I was probably a half a year away from being able to throw in the towel. But, you know, then it became, and I, it, again, that's, that's something that, you know, it's important for people to be able and to understand. Where can people find you if they did want to reach yeah, out and me, ask you a numbers question? Yeah, let me, give you, let me give you a couple. Yeah, let me give you a couple. First, the first place would be uh, LinkedIn. Obviously, because uh, that's that's where my sweet spot is as far as so. Just go to LinkedIn um, and just search me. I'm in Phoenix, so just search Tom Ward in Phoenix, and that'll okay. help you. Um, you can send me an email, whatever your comfort zone is. It's Tom at Majestic M A J E S T I C Consulting C O N S U L T I N G dot com. Okay, and we'll put me. this in the show notes, guys, so that you have yeah. Tom's info. Um, I mean, he. I'll send you a slide that'll have it in there, Megan, so you can you can kind of put that it in there. That would be wonderful. And then call me. Just just pick up the phone and call me. Just I mean, don't call me. At, I mean, it's not my cell phone, so it's my office phone. It's six two three four three two ninety five hundred, and I'm in the Phoenix time zone. So right now I'm on Pacific time. I go to uh, Mountain time in the in the. Uh, in the fall. So, but just call me, let's have a conversation. There's some things that, you know, that I can help you with. Um, there's a little bit in the, uh, in, and you can also go to the empathy effect.com, which is the book, right. That I wrote. Mm, and as yes. the hardest thing I ever did was the book, writing the book, 
um, and I hired a writer to write with me. But that kind of, that's kind of the boilerplate as far as where, how I figured it out, what I did. It's a little bit of a bio and uh, a little bit of an autobiography, but more importantly, uh, customer service extraordinaire. Just, again, reach out. It, it, if I can help you, especially if you're a, a starving artist or a starving entrepreneur, uh, you know, maybe I can shed some light that you haven't had before because I've been down the road. And, you know, the only thing I ever ask of people, especially in Megan and Andre's case, is that, you know, when you become a client of mine, all I ask is that, you know, when you get down the road, always remember to help somebody who is, you know, in the beginning of time with where you were at. So I think that's real important. And Love that. And pay it forward. And before we jump off here, we ask this, because um, we've been doing this focus on numbers, you know, can you just give us an example of like one client that you worked with who they came in and what the numbers look like versus after six to 12 months yeah. working and understanding them. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I still get people today. So it's been 2006. So that was probably four five and six is when I was doing that. How to build a work let mortgage company. So that's 16 years ago. Once I'll get a, I've got hundreds of people that have reached out to me and said, Tom, I get it. I had a guy who was a, who bought, bought, lost his business and his wife was a CPA. His wife was his accountant. He said, Tom, I was never going to get it. Well, especially you mentioned the dichotomy of a spousal situation no. along with the fact of a CPA looking at that. So I've had that. But I could tell you that uh, one particular uh, is a guy that was my first branch. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he's out of Denver, Colorado today and uh, killing it today as far as being able to really roll in the dollars. But cool about it, he's got uh his top producer has been with him 15 years his, his ops people have been with him for a long time so you know there's a real struggle that that's the struggle that most entrepreneurs have is how do you make enough money to keep the good people right right because otherwise you you, you got this tendency of losing them and if you lose them you know now what you got to start over your service level goes down now you're you got to cut price always realize that i realized a long time ago i think who it was that said it but uh, mistakes lead to discounting mistakes Always. lead to discounting yeah somebody spills soup on your shirt at the restaurant you get a free meal mm. yeah. Right? yeah right they screw you screw up the documentation what do you do you got to send flowers or steaks or something to the customer mm-hmm. right so yeah. it's just a matter of if you can create if you can have the mistakes not occur which is premeditating that right just making sure that you've got it right mm-hmm. then then you win right and, and you don't have to discount so you know, there's a lot of people out there that will do that. But I, I, I really applaud what you guys are doing with this with the show. You know, whatever I can do to help you on it, I think it's uh, the entrepreneur side of life. Uh, it's what makes the world go round. And I think that uh, too often there's you, you find like you're out, out on an island and you sit back and say, it's a lonely spot. You can't take it home, right? You can't take it home. You're trying not say, to. I just want to let you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, what are you going to say, honey? I think, I, I think we're going to go bankrupt yeah. here. And that's why we created the collab. Well, so that's collaborating community because you need other people to help you do better. And like Andre said, if we had gotten some of the help and advice and consulting back five years ago, we'd be like, we years. wish we had. So for anyone yeah. listening, finding it's like <laughs> we thought we needed an accountant, we would have much rather had someone doing bookkeeping and found someone like Tom, like, you know, the different people that we've had on the on the podcast because you got to find the people that get it, who have been in your shoes, who are now helping others get it because we know how valuable that is. And that's 
why we brought Tom on because we want to at some point have our income, you know, 20 times <laughs> the amount that we made before. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you're, yours probably won't be 20 because you're, you didn't suck as bad as I did early on, right? I don't know about <laughs> so that, Tom. We didn't go there it's yet. It's embarrassing. Working on it. It's extremely embarrassing when you look at that number and say, oh, 20 times. But the cool thing about it is it went seven years. It was a seven-year run at 20 times, right? So you took the average of where that was at. So I think it's, uh, you know, what do you do with it? How do you make it work? I, I just think that, and that's the whole idea, the, the title of the book, The Empathy Effect, it says build your business and build your wealth by putting yourself in other people's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. What is your customer feeling? What does your customer want? Right. right. Which way do they want? And I think that's a big part of it. So you can get that book. I, I, I don't, uh, that's we'll a whole that other way. story of how many layers there are in the book world that I, I didn't want to fight that bureaucracy. So I just self-published it. Uh, myself, which was stupid when I did it, probably cost me thousands of dollars to be able to do it, but I didn't write it. Uh, I sell it today, obviously, but go to the empathy effect.com. You can get it with, I think we charge $20 and we donate the money to charity. I've got cases of the book cause I bought it smart when I did it and uh, just go there, fill it out, uh, you know, and, and we'll ship it to you, you know, no cost for the shipping or anything like that. But I think it'll give you some idea. The bit, the best book that I, again, the discipline of market leaders, it just was a huge takeaway for me, yeah, but we'll you've got it here. Both. You keep going down that road, Megan, as far as the, the, and Andre, as far as that, you know, the collab, the whole idea behind this, right? Are you choosing value? Are you choosing price? I mean, that's a, that is a fork in the road that you got to understand early. I, it took me seven years to figure it out. No. Oh, and so hopefully, you know what, maybe in 10 road. years, we will have the next Jimmy Johns in the collab. Like how oh, awesome would that be, right? Because it's learning from do. other and people. It's like, yeah, I knew him. I knew him when he had 47 stores. Wow. So I met him in my forum. He had 47 stores. It's like 2,900 right at this point. He used to say four meats, two cheeses, one bread is all he'd have. And he could make all kinds of sandwiches with it. That's, that's, a, that's a story in itself because he came from the same side that Andre and I talk about not knowing your numbers. And the guy just started delivering sandwiches to drunk people at Eastern Illinois. And that's why the bread's so good. Because yeah. he wanted to soak up the alcohol, right? Wow. <laughs> Keep it simple, right? Yeah, Keep just it. A rock did I say? Star. Keep it simple, stupid, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right, right. But thank you yeah. so much for letting Kudos us to you ask guys. you Whatever some I questions. can do to help you, anybody. Yeah, anybody that you guys have got that I can that I can at least have a conversation with, or you just got to give me some time if if uh, to get back to you. But yes, um, we will. Where we you're will going with this is awesome. Points. I'm sorry, there's a little bit yeah, of a perfect. delay here. I apologize. But um, yeah, no thank worries. you. Thank you for letting us interview you. We'll put your book, we'll put how people can contact you. And, um, and we just appreciate your knowledge and, you know, sharing with everyone. I appreciate where you guys are going. So good luck. Thank you, Tom. Right, Have thanks, a great day. Tom. We will catch you here soon after the show sometime. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, collaborators. If you found value or got some piece of information out of this, make sure to find us at thecollablife.com. You can also join our Facebook group and our Facebook page at The Collab. On YouTube, you can find us at The Collab. On Instagram, you can find us at The Collab Life. We also release our brand new episodes every single Tuesday morning. And if you have any questions or there's anything that we can do for you, any value that you would like to add to our business, we'd love to hear from you. And you can email us at 
at hello at thecolablife.com. 